Oren B. Andy G. How's it going, mate? Bloody good, mate. Not too bad at all. Wife's baking a uh, banana cake at the moment, so I can smell it. Like, hope they, don't oh, yeah, eat. they smell good, eh? I hope they don't eat it all before I get out of this <laughs> podcast. I'll be gutted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, happy anniversary to you and your wife, mate. Yeah, whoop, whoop. 13 years today. God, where'd that go? Oh, <laughs> 13 years, crikey. 13 years. Supposed to get her some fur and some fur and textiles, according to the internet. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. The fur and textiles anniversary. Yeah, you know, they got funny things for each anniversary, like through tradition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you... I just had a look the other day and it's like fur and textiles. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, strange. <laughs> it's interesting. Did you get her anything remotely related to that? No. Nah. <laughs> Fair enough. You just had a big roast dinner, eh? What did you cook? Yep, tried. Yep, I put the uh, put the meat in the crock pot and turned it on. That's my idea of cooking a roast. <laughs> That's obviously yeah. the best way to do it, I reckon. Eh? So you, you put it on this morning and came home to it cooked. Yeah, yeah? yep. It was mint. It smelled good too. Smelled, oh, house smelled like cooking meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I can smell it now. What I can smell actually is banana cake. My wife is baking one at the moment. Yeah. <sighs> Can't beat banana does. cake. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just love that banana cake with the good chocolate icing on it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, though. It's like it tastes amazing, even though she freezes bananas. Like there's specific bananas that are starting to go overripe, and she freezes them, and then she uses those for the the cake. And then when you know when she pulls them out of the freezer, they're black as. <laughs> I'm like that does not look appetising, but trust me, when they're in a cake, oh hello. My wife does the same thing, mate. I think oh, yeah. out in the freezer behind me in the shed, there's probably twenty bananas in the little tray thing on the side, all black ones, all just sitting in there. Yeah, frozen. So she's got no excuse to make them, but she doesn't because Chloe actually is our baker in the family now, my daughter. So she um likes making chocolate chip muffins. I've got to try and convince her to make banana muffins, and she can use some of the bananas up. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough too. Actually, talking of things that you freeze, um, my wife and I have started following your um, system of freezing milk. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's actually quite – because we bought a little deep freeze, which is in the yep. garage. And, uh, yeah, we, we buy extra milk when we go out and just and deep freeze it. And actually, it, it works a treat. It does, eh? doesn't taste yeah. any different. It just defrost over the course of a day or something, and then yeah. you're sweet. We had, a, we had a bottle of milk last week that expired on, like, the 15th of December last year, and <laughs> it was still good as. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's the way. <laughs> Took a leaf out of your guys' book for that one, and it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting how it goes, like, yellow, though, when it freezes. It's weird. Yeah, it must, I think it's the fats in the milk. Like yeah. The fat um, solidifies and goes, yeah, and then you can see that, and so it just looks yellow. Eh? It looks weird. Yeah. But it doesn't take long to go white again, though. You literally get it out about 10 minutes later. The, the yellow's disappeared off the... Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Anyway, uh, <laughs> how have you been oh, busy? Yawning. I mean, I'm yawning, yawning mate, away. I'm yawning. Busy yeah. at work. Oh, yeah, fairly busy. It's, it's actually quieted off a little bit, eh? so, which is kind of good, but it gives me a chance to get a bit of stuff done around home. But we just had a big uh, event on on the weekend, and we'd done a couple of hundred kilometres of riding with about 80 riders. So Catching up with um, you. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of few late nights because we, we camped out in the bush. Mm. And uh, so I had three nights away in the tent and, um, yeah, did lots and lots of kilometres and not very good sleep, so... I'm feeling a bit shattered today, actually. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet, <laughs> mate, yeah. I've got to say as well, the echo in your room sounds a lot better. Yeah, mate. You see my setup? Yeah. The blanket. <laughs> it's good. It's it's almost like it's concentrating the, the sound of your voice straight into your microphone rather than your voice going all around the room and getting I, lost. I, I figured it, I'd put it in like a corner. It goes from the corner of the room to the like on an angle to the middle behind me. Yeah, yep. So hopefully it works a bit better. 
Yeah, it does. And that's it. It doesn't have to look special either because this is only an audio podcast, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's all good. That's the job. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll count in and get this thing going. Two, three, four, five. Down the tools, up the mic. A truly guy, a radio guy. Two best mates chatting on the fly. We're musos, we're dads, we're completely the same. We'll yarn about anything, it's all fair game. One hits nails and one nails hits. We'll review good beers and just shoot the sh. We're R&B and Andy G. And this is Tradio. Tradio. So I mentioned in the past that we've got listeners all over the world, and uh, Russia was one of our listeners from the last episode. And obviously, the Russia-Ukraine situation is not nice at the moment. And I found no. this—I found this analogy, which is not written by me, but it really explains the whole Russia and Ukraine situation. Let me just read it. It's—it's it's not that long, but I think it's a really good analogy that kind of puts it into layman's terms exactly what's happening. Now, Ukraine used to be in an abusive relationship with Russia, feeding him, letting him use her car, paying for the coffee, and giving him whatever he asked for until she built up the confidence to call it quits back in 1991. Since then, Ukraine has been working on herself, becoming a strong independent woman with help from friends like France, America, Poland and others. And they gave her support, they loaned her money and they're helping her find her way. Now, Ukraine has been enjoying being single for 30 years and looking forward to continuing to grow and create new friendships. Now, Russia, being the toxic ex that he is, wants her back and doesn't want her meeting new people or creating any new relationships. And this impacts the level of power and control he can exert over her. And a couple of weeks ago, Russia started sitting out the front of Ukraine's house. And when her friends asked him what he was doing there, he said, Oh, nothing, just getting a little bit of exercise in, that's all. And after after her friends told her that Russia was potentially getting ready to do something bad to her, he said, they're lying. They just want you to be scared of me, and that's not what it is. And then Russia broke into Ukraine's house last week. They took advantage of her while live streaming and double-dared any of her friends to do something about it, and she's still waiting for help. Yep, dead right, mate. It's just absolutely terrible what's happening over there. I mean, there's so many other, you know, lame, uh, so many other sort of write-ups that describe what's happening over there. But I mean, if you just watch the news, etc., and read about it, it's just just terrible what's yeah, happening. I heard I heard a similar one the other day. Actually, that the, the analogy was uh, like a schoolyard bully. Mm. Like Russia was a schoolyard bully. Did you see that one? Didn't I see that find one. It. I couldn't find it at the moment, but Erin had it on her phone, and it was brilliant. It yeah, was so well done. Yeah. No, I hadn't seen that one. But apparently, I heard as well that Vladimir Putin, he's almost got this, what are you going to do about it type attitude, because I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he met this American Football Hall of Famer who had his Super Bowl ring on, right? You know, right. The, you know the big, chonky diamond rings they get? Yeah. Well, Vladimir Putin met this guy and said to him, I wish I remembered the guy's name. But anyway, Putin said to him, oh, that, can I have a look at that ring? That looks great. So he gave him the ring and Putin said, oh, I could kill someone with this. And then he proceeded to put the ring in his pocket and then he left. Now, this American uh, Football Hall of Famer was like, he said to Putin's people, well, can I get my ring back? And apparently it was all like, what ring? And then, yeah. and then Putin went to a museum and there was an art piece there, which apparently was like a rifle filled with vodka. That was, that was the art piece. Yeah. And he gave a nod to one of his men and 
they grabbed the art piece and walked out with it. And it's it's just that whole, you know, he's exerting this power over people because, you know, what are they going to do about it? And how exactly do you actually get something like that ring back from Putin? You don't exactly uh, send a bloody stamped address to return envelope to the Kremlin, do you? Um, <laughs> You know, you know, those guys get their comeuppance in the end. Let him he'll get his fucking comeuppance like they all do. Oh, mate, it's just, I Whether just be feel... be in this world or the next. That's yeah. it. And, you know, all the all the men have to stay behind and watch their families leave. At least their families are going to, uh, going to safety, but then they've got to sit there now worrying if their dads, husbands, partners are going to come back. Mm. Are going I to think survive? in all honesty, if it, if it gets any worse, which it will do, I think, in the next few weeks, then I think... The rest of the world won't have a, cho- a choice. They'll have to stand up and do something because America can't go around invading countries like Afghanistan and Iraq on a hunch and bullshit and mm. then stand back and let this sort of atrocity happen. They exactly. have to freaking step up. Yeah, they're all talking about, oh, we're putting sanctions on these countries what and we're stopping. Do? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Vladimir Putin doesn't give a shit about <laughs> that. That's not going to yeah. stop anything. He's he's got all this artillery. He's got all this power. He's just gonna He's just going to do what he can to try and take Ukraine back and sanctions mean fuck all to him. Mm. So yeah, what Vladimir I think- Putin doesn't realise though is that if he starts fucking around too much, the Americans will get some of their toys out of the closet that they've got hidden away that mm. people don't know about. Yeah, and he'll go over and they'll take them over there and start having a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, he won't like we- that too much. No, be watching it very very closely. Anyway, um, I really really feel for the Ukrainian people, and uh, you oh, know, shit, yeah. more power to them as well. The ones that are out there actually fighting for what, the freedom. What, what- pisses me off about those sort of wars is that it's always the innocent bloody, you know, men, women and children that are like at the moment they're trying to escape, you know, and they get caught in the crossfire and it's like, it's just wrong, man. If 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 you want to have a war, you know, they sh- what they should do is go, right, your army and your army will put you in the middle of like Australia in the desert. <laughs> yeah. You have your little war there away from everyone else. Yeah. When you sort it out, then you, whoever's left will send you home. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Oh, I think he had his. I think he's he's had his judo black belt taken off him as well, Putin. Um, mm. So that's one thing you can take off him is black belt. Yeah, and apparently I was. Uh, I also heard this morning as well that uh, professional. Um, I don't know what you call them, people who specialize in you know in looking at people's faces and mapping out what kind of lifestyle they have. I don't know what you kind of call that, but they they reckon that Putin is high on steroids. They reckon his yeah. face is showing signs of someone that takes a lot of steroids. So the guy's drug fucked. You know, he's, he's going to be like Arnie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does want to be like Arnie. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're thinking of everyone over there at the moment. Not a nice situation to be in. And um, let's hope it improves from here. I can't remember from the last episode because now I do uh, a little radio show for a station called Lake FM in Topor. I can't remember what I've told you and what I've done on the radio show, and normally I'm pretty good at documenting shit like this. Did I tell you a story in the last episode about a lady I saw jogging at seven past six in the morning with a bunch of flowers? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, let me tell you the story because I, I wrote this. <laughs> I wrote this down, hoping that I hadn't said anything on the podcast yet. But I was off to work a couple of weeks ago. This is after the last podcast, and I apologise if I have told this story on a, on the podcast and we just don't remember. But it's a good story to tell. It was seven past six in the morning where florists are not open. And there's a woman who's completely dressed up in full professional jogging gear. Like she's got all her high vis, she's got her camel back, you know, um, drinking reservoir on her back. And she looks like she's been running for hours. She looks, she looks fit as fuck. And she's been out there for hours. But she's jogging 
with a fully prepared bouquet of flowers with the lovely foil all around them and all that, you know, like <laughs> like she's just been to a florist and had yeah. this bouquet made. I'm like, at seven past six in the morning, where the hell did she get it and where the fuck is she going with it? Someone probably saw her jogging and thought, she's hot, I'm going to give her some flowers. <laughs> Well, possibly there is going to be <laughs> there is going to be an answer for it. Maybe that was it. Maybe yeah. she saw them laying on someone's garden and picked them up. I don't know. But yeah, at that time of the morning, no florists are open. Who who was she going to see with a bouquet <laughs> of flowers all done up nice? She was meeting someone for coffee. Maybe. Yeah, you can't <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Honestly, I was nah. You think yeah, you see some weird shit early in the morning, eh? I know, I've been but most pondering people are still it. asleep and you're out and about, you think, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and this was it when I was getting into the truck, you know, at this time of the morning, I was close enough to her to actually, you know, see clearly what she had in her hand. I'm still still asking myself what the hell I saw. Oh no. You know, maybe she I just... forgot to I forgot to tell you something funny that happened just before Erin and I was sitting inside watching TV. And, uh, it, you know, this just coincides with our wedding anniversary and we're watching uh, Channel 3 News and there was this article on there about, like, breaking the cycle and there was this guy going along in a canoe and I went, and I, as I said to my missus, I said, that looks like our wedding photographer and it focuses in on him and then the name comes up at the bottom and sure enough, it was our wedding photographer was on it. On your anniversary? What are the, on our wedding anniversary, our wedding <laughs> photographer was on TV on a on a special piece in the news. I was wow. like, "What the hell? <laughs> What's the chances of that happening?" So, what was he doing? Like, why was he on there? Because uh, he went. I don't don't know if you've ever seen photos of him. But he was like tats, man, like fully sleeved up, all tattooed on his head, and he was our wedding photographer. Yeah, he um he does amazing work. But when he was younger, he had a lot of abuse issues and stuff in his in his family. You know, like. And uh, his drug, his dad had involvement with drugs and with gangs and stuff. Anyway, yeah. it was about his upbringing and then breaking the cycle, you know. And it was quite an interesting article, actually. But it's actually stuff I didn't even know about him. And because I met him heaps of times, you know, when, when just before the wedding and we talked, talked with him heaps. And he was a really nice guy. But yeah, even the um, people looked at him and were like, man, what's this guy on? You know, he's got big <laughs> like tattoos all over him and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Shit, the world, yeah, just, the world works in mysterious ways, though, doesn't it? I mean, it could have been uh, any other day, but you happen to see him on your anniversary. Yeah, yeah. What are the chances of that, mate? That's unreal. Funny. Go get a lotto ticket. That's some kind of luck there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been trying that for years. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And mozzie in here, eh? <laughs> I've got a mozzie in here, and I've been trying to squash the bastard. Yeah. Pass your mic. <laughs> oh, there it is. Ah, oh, it's all over the wall. Ah, <laughs> oh, little bug. I hate that, eh? especially when it's sort of pitch black at night and you can just hear them. Giving it death around your room. <laughs> Dana, my wife, um, she's at the supermarket at the moment, actually, and uh, the kids are just playing in the background. Hopefully you won't hear them too loud, but... Um, <laughs> She's at the supermarket just getting a few bits and pieces. And she was telling me last time she went to the supermarket, she came back and she told me this this story that really for her only clicked a couple of minutes after it happened. And when she was at the supermarket, this guy walked up to her and said, you look like you know where the cleaning stuff is. Can you, can you tell me where to find the cloths? Are you, and and she was like, oh, yeah, I've just been there actually to get dishwasher pads, uh, dishwasher pods. <laughs> 
And she said, yeah, it was just like aisle, aisle nine or something. And then when she, when she toddled off, when the guy went it was on his own way and she toddled off to another aisle, she, she was just like, he fully just came up to me and said that I look like I know where the cleaning stuff is. <laughs> like, how do you take that? That's so sexist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You'd have to have some balls to say that, though, wouldn't you? Walk up to a woman in the supermarket and go, you look like you know where the cleaning products are. Walk up to a real hot one and say, you look like you probably know where the condoms are kept. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or walk up to another woman and say, oh, you look like you're on your period. Where are the pads? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pushing it to the limit there, mate. I know. It's like like I said, she walked away from there and it took her a couple of minutes and going, he actually just asked me that, didn't he? <laughs> Some people just I got, don't think. I got roped into doing the groceries today. Oh, yeah. did you? I was a bit quiet today at work. So oh, yeah. my wife, has been, she's been flat out. So I uh, I said, oh, I'll go and do the groceries. I'll go and do it. So that's right. She wrote me a list and I went and did it. And I was like, I'm really not a shopper, eh? <laughs> go in the supermarket, all I like is like looking at all the nice food that's in there. But yeah, when I'm yeah. given a list, it's like, you know, I don't even know. I walk around in circles because I don't know where to find anything. <laughs> I, I'm the same, dude. I mean, I, I do the groceries often, not as much as my wife, but she always writes a list. And bless her, she writes the list in the order that I will go past everything in the supermarket. Like she's got this amazing memory for where everything yeah. is. Probably why <laughs> she knows where the cleaning stuff is. Hey. Um, <laughs> I was like, you weren't wearing a New World uniform at the time, were you? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm you know, the same dude. And I, sometimes when she's written something on the list, she hasn't been specific enough and I come back with the wrong type of crackers or something. <laughs> she's like, you know what crackers we have. And I said, well, I don't know. You need to actually write it down for me. They almost need to write down the flavor. They say shapes crackers. And you're like, yeah. well, okay, there's like six different flavors. Which ones do you want? <laughs> yeah, and I always seem to get the ones that the kids won't eat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they won't eat those ones. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, that I should have told me that before I went. Yeah. I always come back with like extra chocolate. I'm terrible for that, man. I was eyeing up the chocolate. I was looking at, they'd run out of the Whitaker's straight chocolate, the really oh, nice 50% yeah. cocoa one. I was like, ooh, they've run out. I was like, nope, don't eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what do they say? Don't don't go shopping when you're hungry. It's mm. the worst thing you can do. And Cost you twice you're... as much. Yeah, exactly. And you walk past the deli and you can smell the rice chickens and you're like, oh, I <laughs> tell you what, I'll get one of those. <laughs> or I'll get some buns as well. <laughs> yeah, and I'll sit in the car and eat it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you get home and your wife's like, right, dinner's ready. And you'd be like, oh, I'm not quite ready for dinner yet, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit full. <laughs> Had some snacks while I was out. Yeah. You spend next week's budget as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not it's not cheap though, is it? I, I think today I had I mean, it was really a top up shop. Just needed a few things, got a few extras and a bit of fruit, and it was still like two hundred bucks. Mm. And it was it wasn't a lot of stuff, you know. No, it's it's weird. Eh? You look at your trolley and it, you're thinking it's not much in there, but yeah, it's really expensive. Wasn't there something in the news yesterday? Like I'm so out of touch with the news these days. I only really hear it in the background now, but. Isn't there sort of talks about bringing a third big supermarket player yeah. to try and drive prices down? Now that all came through yesterday, and I, I did I did catch it on the news, and they basically said that yeah, the Commerce Commission basically 
probably got bullied out of it. They probably got mm. paid off or something because they were just like, oh, nah, they're okay and they don't need oh, to yeah. do too much. they got to free up a bit of land to put more supermarkets on. Yeah. And it's like, well, you didn't say anything about a, bringing an extra player in, so to bring the competition down, you know what? Yeah. But mm. nah, so basically they reckon one guy was on TV tonight talking about it and he said nothing's going to change. If anything, the prices will go up. So just how much further can it go up though? This is the thing. Well, they're making a million dollars a day profit at the moment, yeah. they reckon, those I, supermarkets. I yeah. heard that, yeah. So, just and that's, fuck, that's fucking insane. Yeah, mm. like a block of cheese now. I think, what is it, tasty cheese is $21 for a, like an 800-gram block. Just I, brought some, I brought some today and it was about 10 or, 10 or 12 bucks for a, for a slab, you know, mm. which I thought, mm, that's all right. It's fucking expensive. But well, it depends what brand you buy, eh? They're all so different. Yeah. But I just, yeah, it's just bloody expensive at the moment. The cheapest I'm, one. Who would get a cheap one? Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm glad I'm glad beer remains a, quite a similar price. It doesn't really change much, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah. It's got plenty of nutrients in it, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, and water. Just live on beer. Yeah. Actually, I haven't had a beer for about two weeks now. About two weeks, yeah. I'm not really missing it either. Now, once you're off a day, I found that you don't you don't miss it. I haven't really drunk a lot for quite a while now. I find yeah, like, I sleep so much better, eh? Like I my head hit the do. pillow last night, mate, and I was <laughs> gone <out>. space. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like one or two. That's not that's okay, one or two, eh? But you know, just I'm kind of I don't know. I just feel like I'm past <laughs> the binging shit, eh? Like it's pointless. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I'm past that. I think it takes till you're about forty to realise. It's actually not that good for me doing this dumb shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not 17 anymore. No. Or actually more when I started drinking. I was about 13, 14. <laughs> yeah, and you think, geez, it's been a long time. Yeah. Mind you, my, my, my fake ID said otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell you, I've got out in the shed at the moment behind me, I've got three dirt bikes. <clears throat> I only brought three. another one. Did I, ta- did I tell you I brought another one? No, you didn't tell me you brought another one. Oh, I didn't tell you the story. Uh, I um, I thought it's time to upgrade my dirt bike to a newer one. Right. And I've been looking online for a YZ250, and I came across one in a shop down in Hawara, down by New Plymouth. Right. And um, the guy had a really good price on it. It was an ex-demo bike, and it's only got 12 hours on it. It's a 2020 model. But it looks brand new. It's got a they they completely redid it, brand new tires, everything like that, and then put it back on the showroom floor as an ex demo and sold it. So I saw it online. I thought, oh, why not? I'll buy that one and I'll sell the other two. So I I did a mission. I jumped in the car at six o'clock in the morning. I drove out the gate uh, and drove all the way to Hawara. <laughs> all right, mate. Picked this bike up and drove all the way back in one day, but I fluked it because the the guy had sold a bike from the same shop down there to someone who lives just out by Netherton, which is only 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. And uh, he couldn't figure out how to get it up here. He was going to have to put it on a truck for $500. So they ended up putting it on the back of my ute and the people paid me some cash and I couriered it up to their house and dropped it off and then drove home with my bike. It was a 12-hour day, man, 12 hours. Seven hundred yeah, and I did seven hundred and fifty-seven kilometers. Yeah, it's a fair hike. Yeah, yeah. So I got another bike out them, and I've just finished doing up my little two fifty-four stroke, and that's just gone on trade me tonight. Okay. And uh, I've got the, the old gas gas as well still. So my wife's now going. You need to sell a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you just sell one of them. You can't ride them all. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So this new one is it is it new new or is it second hand or? It's well, it's second hand, but it's basically brand new. It's only got yeah. twelve hours on it from oh, brand new, and it's been a demo bike. So people have just yeah. had a go, had a bit of a go on it, and um, so yeah, it's and it's a twenty twenty model, which is two years old, but yeah. it looks brand new. Oh, brand, nice. basically brand spanking new. So, so yeah, gonna, so I managed to get it for a good price. Which so is, you're going to sell your other two bikes and just keep the YZ, yeah. or yeah, yeah, I'll sell the Gas Gas and the Yamaha, the other yeah. one, the four stroke. So and just have one good bike, put some money back in the bank. <laughs> well, that's a nice compromise. The kids get a new kit and you get a new bike. I don't see an issue. Yeah, there. yeah. So the kids have got a bike each now as well, and I got a. I've got a bike, so I just got to get them back into a bit more riding now. What? So they what, they've up. they've got a motorbike. Yeah, yeah, they got they got one each for Christmas. Oh, I didn't even so, know. That. Yeah, they got a little just those little cheapy thumpster things that my mate down the road sells. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like a little Chinese bike. Oh, nice. Got one of those, and I, we got a second. Hand. We're only buying the one, and then Aaron's uncle owns a big farm, and he's got a shed full of bikes. And we just happened to be talking to him one day, and he goes, "Oh, do your kids want a bike for cheap?" And I said, oh, maybe. And he goes, oh, I've got the little CRF-80 there that my kids used to ride. It's just sitting in the shed. So just you can buy it off me for cheap. So we got it for a pretty good price. So we ended up buying that as well. So they got one each now. Oh, freeway. So, oh, good stuff, man. Oh, I didn't realize that. So Yeah, that was my mission. Fuck, it was a long way down there, mate. <laughs> I bet. How many pies did you eat? <laughs> oh, I, st- oh, I stopped at two bakeries. <laughs> <laughs> coffee and a filled roll and a cream donut and then carry on. <laughs> that's right. That is the breakfast or dinner of champions right there. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> and a coffee as well, no doubt. Always got to get a coffee, yep. <laughs> yeah. Keep me awake while I'm driving. Hey, um, how's the kitten? The kitten? Jesus. I'm calling it Conehead at the moment because I had an operation the other day to have its little neutered surgery. Oh, yeah, okay. And then uh, now it's got to wear a cone on its head. It's either, the, it's either the cone of shame or cone head. Little yeah. lampshade walking around your house. But bloody, uh, Chloe's brought a um, a, a leash for it. So because oh. we want to train it where the blooming section is and just start because it, it hasn't been been outside yet. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah, yeah. know what going outside. It goes and sits outside and looks at the outside world and shits itself. You know, just about. <laughs> so we're just going to put a leash on it and the kids are doing it tonight, walking it around the section. It looks hilarious. Eh? A <laughs> little cat on a leash. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't quite sound right, does it? I'm just going to walk no. with the cat. Yeah, so by the weekend, I would say it's going to be um, off the lead and with the mm. cone off its head, and then it'll be allowed outside then. Oh, yeah, fair so enough. Just fucking open the door and let it go. Probably run off and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't they say cats have at least three owners? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. the people around here are going to love it. So Yeah, yeah it's going to be very well fed. It's going to be very yeah. well fed. Um, into one of those big fat cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As um, what what color is it? Just out of curiosity, just black, just a black, black cat. It's got a little white tuft on its belly, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. And the kids are sort of stepped up, and they're doing their um, you know, they're they're following their responsibilities when it comes to the cat. Or supposed to be. <laughs> Chloe doesn't really doesn't like cleaning out the kitty little box. Oh, but, I thought uh, said I said I waved my hands of it, mate. I said I don't like cats. I'm not going to get involved with this. So mm. I said it's up to you guys. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apart from the one morning they were leaving and they said, oh, Dad, we haven't fed the cat yet. Bye. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. As they're going out the door, as they're heading out the door, eh, they yell it out back to you, can you feed the cat? And <laughs> <gone>. <laughs> See you oh, later. 
Mm. Actually, we've just um, sat down with the kids. In fact, my oldest daughter Ashlyn sat sat us all down and uh, called a meeting, a family meeting. Oh yeah. Um, and she, you know, very self driven. She's come up with a list of chores that her and Mia can do every day, and um, actually worked it all out so that you know once they've passed the trial period to see if they'll actually stick to their to do list and their responsibilities and stuff like that, that they'll start getting pocket money for their jobs. Um, and boy, I can't. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, mate. You're like my wife, not really a fan of them. Yeah. Um, if we get a pet, it'll either be a dog or some more chickens. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Ashlyn yeah, is all about, you know, is all about emptying or filling and emptying the dishwasher and keeping her bedroom clean, which, you know, she should be doing anyway with the bedroom and uh, washing the vanity and the mirror in their bathroom because they have their own little bathroom between their rooms. So yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. They do that. Yeah. Uh, Mia just wanted to do one thing. I just want to close and open the curtains. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not really a job per se that you'll earn pocket money doing. But no, Mia sets the table for dinner and she helps keep the bathroom clean. So we'll see how long they stick to it. Yeah. As long as they, as long as they uh, eventually learn to clean the toilet, eh? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good job. Yeah. That's it's a actually, punishing one there. It's actually my job at the moment. But <laughs> to be fair, because we do it every week. And you leave the worst skids on it. So it's... Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's it's not me that leaves the worst skids on the toilets. It's the skids themselves. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like I say, we clean it every weekend, so it's really easy to tidy up and keep clean. So <clears> it's <throat> all good. Fancy a bit of a dad joke off, mate? Yeah, why not? Dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. Lead the way. Lead the way. Yeah. Well, an apology to my wife. I'm sorry. The kids were playing some sort of cowboy game. And my eight-year-old kept yelling, yippee-ki-yay! And I didn't think. Instinctively, I finished the phrase. And now she knows a new word. (laughs) (laughs) Yippee-ki-yay, mother. Oh, my golly gosh. (laughs) The other day, I was uh, was stood behind a guy at the ATM. He turned around to me and said, could you check my balance? So I pushed him. And his balance wasn't too good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Scientists watched the Earth rotate for 24 hours and got tired, so they called it a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the other day I was I was reversing down the road in my car, and I thought to myself, "Ah, oh, this takes me back." <laughs> <laughs> my friend said he didn't understand cloning at all, and I said, "Well, that makes two of us." <laughs> <laughs> You know, it takes guts to be an organ donor. <laughs> That's good. See, it's funny how the shorter they are, the actually better they are, I reckon. <laughs> I bought 75% of shares in a vampire hunting business. That makes me the main stakeholder. <laughs> oh, there it is, click. There it is. <laughs> I once had a dream I was floating in a sea of orange soda, but it was just a fantasy. <laughs> I love Fanta. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Here's my last one. My wife is mad that I have no sense of direction. So I packed up my stuff and write. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's as bad as my ones. <laughs> Man, sore throats are a pain in the neck. <laughs> Literally. That's a good one. Nice, mate. Good dad jokes tonight. 
They're always good. Dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. I fucked up a job application recently. This is not a dad joke, by the way. We're out of that now. Um, <laughs> I thought it sounded like a little line leading into a joke. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear about the time I fucked up a job application? No, I did. I um Just before New Year's, actually, I applied to be a customs officer at Christchurch Airport. And uh, I thought, you know, it'd be something quite good to do. And, and honestly, it pays pretty good money as well. So I thought, well, this is pretty sweet. So, yeah, 28th December was the day that I applied for it. And then as soon as I sent the application through their official um, customs website, I got a confirmation email through saying, you know, we've received your application, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, sweet. So I filed it away in my job applications folder, which I've set up in my email. And actually just last week, and over the last few, you know, few months as well, I've been like, these guys have, and it shut on January the 17th, I'll, um, I'll add. So I, January the 17th, I should have heard something, right? <clears throat> anyway, yeah. I didn't hear anything. So I was like, I'll just, I'll let it fly. Cause obviously they've had a lot of applications. They say it's quite a popular thing and, and, and they will get back to me anyway. So February rolls around and still haven't heard anything. And then I sort of forget about it for a bit. And then we get into March like, do you know what? I never heard anything about that customs job. And it's like March now. It's been, you know, just over two months since I applied for it. And um, my wife, Dana, she said to me, well, have a look back through your emails and see if there was anything you missed. Because I've got this really bad habit of seeing an email come in, skimming it, not taking notice of what it says and filing it. Yeah. And what had actually happened after I got the confirmation email that I'd sent my application into customs, Three minutes later, on the 28th of December, they sent me an email with a link to an online assessment that I have to do in order to get through, <laughs> to, the, in order to get through to the next round. <clears throat> so this was just a couple of days ago when I checked my emails and I saw this thing. And what I'd done is I'd obviously um, mistaken it for the confirmation email as well and just filed it straight away. Yeah. So I didn't do the online assessment, which came through three minutes after I applied for the job, which meant that I was completely ineligible to even... Go for it. Yeah, yeah. They had no hope in hell of getting it. No hope in hell. So what I did is I actually emailed them just in case they were like, well, this dude's a fucking dickhead for not getting yeah. in touch with us and following through with his assessment. And I just emailed them and said, look, I am so sorry. I've just realized that this is what I did and I explained the situation. And I did say to them, look, I realize now that I've missed out, but can you please add me to any mailing lists so that when a job comes up again, I can reapply. Anyway, they came back to me and said, yep, absolutely, that's fine. We, we're so sorry that you missed it. Um, you know, they, they felt bad for me. And they actually did say in their email that I've got a really good work history and they would encourage me to reapply next time. Sweet. So, yeah, so I was, I was gutted because I, I really, really wanted that. You know, I thought that would be quite a neat gig being a customs officer because you get to work at the ports, you know, you yeah. get to work at the airport and all this. And, um. Yeah, it didn't come to fruition because I decided to file the email away without reading it. They had the important assessment on it. Pays to read these things, eh? Oh, mate, honestly, it's terrible. And actually, my wife has my password for my email now, so she sometimes logs in just to check that I haven't missed anything important, you know, Um, (laughs) which is good. So it's nice to have a secretary, uh, to be fair. Yep, um, checking up on you. Yeah, you know, a secretary that knows where the cleaning stuff is in the Mm -hmm. supermarket. Um, anyway, just I just I just think back and I'm like, imagine if that actually I've I've never done that for um someone who sent me a script, you know, because I I'm a voiceover yeah. as well on the side, and I thought, well, if I miss a massive voiceover job, that's potentially thousands of dollars down the gurgler. 
yeah, uh, yeah. that's potentially gone to someone else. They might not send you another one if you don't reply. No, exactly. So I was like, well, I've never missed a voiceover gig. Why the hell did I stuff up and miss this one? Yeah, well, I've started looking around at jobs, actually, eh? Because my work I'm doing is actually starting to dry up real bad. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I think if you guys are starting to see it, I think it's just with the price of timber going up and the yeah. price of inflation with labour costs going up, people are sort of now jobs, they would have just gone, oh, yeah, just do it, you know, like fences and decks and things, they would have just gone, just do it. Now they're like, really skimping on the cost and then where I'm cutting a lot of it down to the bone so it's real cheap you know for them or as cheap yeah. as I can get it not making really any money out of it and um they're all still saying people are saying no now oh, crazy because like my wasn't... work's gone from being crazy busy to crazy quiet so yeah because it wasn't that long ago that you were actually having to turn work away or at least you know move it on to another yeah. friend, you know friend of yours who does it I suppose yeah yeah but so, yeah, I'm just looking at my options at the moment. I'm uh, seriously considering going back to engineering at the moment. So, Oh, right. Would you, yeah. I mean, I don't mean this to sound silly, but would you go into self-employed engineering or do you think you just face the same dry spell like you're building? Uh, I would like to go into engineering, do my own sort of contract work, probably. I oh, will see how it goes. It's just up in the air at the moment. So, Bit of re-evaluation. Yeah. Got to do that every now and then, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's it. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to, you know, freshen up and go in a different direction, eh? Well, try something new. Yeah, exactly. You can go and apply for a job and pick vegetables. Yeah. Well, I can recommend it. I do that on my sister-in-law's farm. Um, I know someone who does it for a living. (laughs) Yeah. It's good because you don't actually have to pay for veggies anymore. It's bloody great. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to get real healthy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Wow, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we've been uh, talking about the voiceover type of stuff that I've been doing as well. And actually, I thought it'd be quite cool to get a guest on who actually is very prominent in the voiceover world. Well, Hamish Denton is a name well known around radio circles, but if you don't know the name, you may know the voice. Now, he's the voice of Radio Haraki, TVNZ 1 and 2, the Spates ads on TV as well, plus a lot more. I suppose that would be the voiceover trifecta, Hamish, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty happy with that. Uh, when I got the Spates <laughs> one, being from a farm in, uh, in South Canterbury, I thought that, you know, I've, I've hit the peak. I'm wrapped with that. I, 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 can, give, I can give up now. Yeah, stellar, mate. I mean, anything else notable you've done that we might have missed? I mean, I'm sure it was My Kitchen Rules New Zealand is another thing you've actually featured on, eh? Yeah, I did two two seasons of that. Um, I introduce uh, Have You Been Paying Attention at the moment? Oh, right. Um, yeah. The voice of the star of that, which is ridiculous, over-the-top sort of game show yeah. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> did quite a few for Booker Batch. I got quite a bit of shit about people just we couldn't escape me. Every time they went on YouTube, it was bloody Booker Batch, this oh. and that. I know so the I ads. On, yeah. Yeah, they annoyed the crap out of everyone, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> well, almost I mean, most... as much as the chicken ad. What's that? Oh. Was it almost as much as the chicken ad? Are you... <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the um, over lockdown? There was an ad on there for bookme.co.nz and the chicken was book, book, book me. <laughs> <laughs> was it you? That was my claim to fame, the book me chicken. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah. I, so I that's... 
<laughs> so that's literally the one line of my CV compared to your 20, Hamish. <laughs> You've done all right, Andy. You're an award-winning, uh, award-winning voiceover artist. So. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, the awards yeah. did fuck all for me, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't, do, they don't tend to do a lot here in New Zealand, but no, it's, that's good you know, it's the accolade. It's, uh, you know, everyone knows about it and then. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's a good achievement. That's exactly right, man. And I'm still pretty proud of it too. You little old me in my walk-in wardrobe. Um, yeah, exactly. Hamish, listening to Haraki, I've just got to ask you, you might have some insight into this. There are four voices, right? So there's you, there's Mike Hall, who's the bassist for New Zealand band Pluto. And you mm-hmm. hear Mike on so much stuff oh, as well. He's, he's one of the most used, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The female corporate voice, is that Angie Gray? Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. Thought so. She does the one till four on Haraki. And the older VO, um, you know, the one that goes, you know, it's easy to be half-assed. Just ask yeah. Matt and Jerry on Radio Haraki. <laughs> who, who is that? I asked them the other day. Um, I asked Todd, who's the new, uh, used to be the head of hit, the hits, but now he's running, running Haraki. Um, he said it's a young guy. Uh, you think it was this old guy in his in sixties, but I think he's I think he's reasonably young, maybe thirties. Yeah, he's uh, NZ Me Wellington. His name's Chris. I'm, I didn't get his. He didn't know his last name. Oh, so cool. I don't know who. It, I love that voice. It's brilliant. It is good. Eh? Yeah. I think it really yeah. adds to it. Um, it gives yeah. you sort of the old salty sea dog type sound, doesn't it? But, <laughs> but, but it's but, like the drunk, dirty old drunk uncle at your wedding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I wonder if it could be Chris Hour. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I'll find. Yeah, I'll be meaning to find out because I really like. I really like the voice note, and yeah, yeah. But Todd didn't, didn't have a clue. But um, Mike Hall has gone to the. He's doing the hits now. Oh, okay. Because you still hear him occasionally on Hodaki at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're still swapping. Like it's taking a few weeks to swap. So yep. there's basically yep. going to be me, Chris, and and Angie, and that's going to be the three voices. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. Yeah, the other guy, Richie Simpson, who's other really well used, like very. You know, he'd be one of the most used voices in New Zealand, I reckon. Amazing voice can do so much. Um, he's gone to the rock. Yeah. So they they poached him and um certainly for an opening uh for me, which is brilliant. Yeah, nice. Because <laughs> that's the thing though. Like, I mean, I, I, I understand um, you know, being in the VO game myself that you don't always want to give away a lot of secrets and you don't have to say anything, but where do you see a job like that come up? Oh, um, I, I think it's just the years of, um, you know, because I've run the New Zealand School of Radio for 13 years. Yeah. So I think when I first got to that job, I just went around and said, g'day to everyone um, and and just started all these relationships. Yeah. And I yeah. guess just through that, I've got to know people and they just out of the blue, um, Mike Lane just emailed me or rang me and said, oh, how do you feel about auditioning for the, you know, for the voice of Hodaki? Yeah. I said shit, yeah, that'd be it's one of my you know dream jobs. Um, so I auditioned. This is last year, sometime, and I don't know how many other people they auditioned. Yep. So we just yep. sent in some cold voice. They sent it off to this guy Sideshow, who's apparently one of the best producers in Australia. Hmm. Amazing guy. He does all the Holdecky um, production. Oh, right. sent it, sent all the demos over to him. They came back, and then nothing happened. And then um, I didn't hear anything for months. So I just thought either they've got someone else, or they're just not bothering. And then. Um, uh, only about a month ago, uh, Mike McClung emailed me saying, um, how, do you, how do you feel about being the, the voice of Hauraki? And I said, shit, yeah, that, that'd be brilliant. Um, so apparently he, they, um, Todd got um, Mike Lane left to run the ACC. Yep. Um, yep. Todd came from the hits to run Hauraki and he must have picked it up again and basically took all the demos around 
the announcers like um, Tracy Donaldson yeah. Uh, yeah. and the likes of, the, of those announcers and, and played the demos and said, you know, who do you like? And then uh, I think they based their decision on that. And, uh, yeah, and they and they got in touch. So I have no idea who else auditioned or how many other people, but just – and it came back to me. I just kind of forgot about it and yeah, just yeah. turned yeah. up out of the blue, which tends to happen uh, six months later. And, and mainly because I know Tracy, I know Todd, I know Mike – Maybe that's why they asked me to audition for it in the first place. So it's just about the, you know those relationships and just you know getting yourself out there. I think yeah, that's it, man. That is absolutely key, isn't it? Just knowing people in the game. I mean, mm. a, a very similar thing happened where a while ago I was I was given the chance to do some video instructionals for new recruits for the New Zealand Army. Oh and right, I auditioned for it, and but eight months later they came back and said, "Hey, you've got the gig." And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's not a fast-moving industry. Uh, no. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's one of these things where you do a job and yet you, you, don't, you don't rely on, on the money so much. It's kind of, especially if you're doing freelance stuff, you kind of forget about it and next minute it turns up in your account, maybe, maybe three, even four months after the fact. Yeah. So it's kind of like a bonus. But, um, yeah, it's not something that you can, uh, you can definitely rely on unless you're one of the top couple in the country that actually can do it full time. Yeah, Toby Ricketts comes yeah. to mind on that one. Yeah, yeah, he was doing the hits for a while, and then oh, um, right. Mike, Mike Hall onto there. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. done. He's he does a lot more international stuff because he's got that sort of he can do that. that he's got that British accent, hasn't he? That, mm. that can can be a bit more universal, yeah. I guess. But he's very good. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Oren has had a real crash course in this industry since he met yep. me. Um, so he's he's, <laughs> right. he's learned a lot about this. He even bought a microphone for this podcast. So good on him. As you can see, yep. he's, he's got his makeshift soundproofing up, um, and, and mm-hmm. much much mm-hmm. like you, Hamish, you're just in the corner of a room like Oren, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I just bought a whole lot of this foamy stuff off Trade Me, um, and I'm not too fussy about the wall, so I just stapled them straight onto the wall, yeah. <laughs> and then I built a, a plywood sort of a hinge, with the hinges on it, and that's my other two walls with a wee gap for me to get in and out. Yep. And um, it just folds up when I've got people to stay because it's our spare bedroom. Put it against the wall, and the bed comes out. Uh, apart from that, it's just a desk, a computer, a little mixer, uh, quite a good, um, it's a Sennheiser shotgun mic, yeah, which is what I was using when I first started at TVNZ, but they've changed to, to other mics now. But um, And that's all it is, really. It's it's very simple and probably wouldn't cost that much to put together. Um, yeah, no, amazing. I mean, I thought I've got to close myself in when I come in. I'm to put the blankets, I can't get out till I'm finished. Oh, you haven't cut a hole in it for, for your crawl space to get <laughs> in and out. Yeah, got the, got the blankets wedged over the top of the door and you shut it, did you? <laughs> Me? No, yeah. no, no, no. I actually got, I've got some timber in here now. Remember I said last week I was oh, going to put yep. some timber up and so I've actually got it real close to me now. Just yeah, that's all you need though. Eh? It, doesn't it, have, it doesn't have to be massively special, does it, to be honest? No, yeah. totally. I mean, I, 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 I've done a few like that with the, you know, I've gone into my um, girlfriend's closet uh, in Auckland and done some, even, even going under a duvet cover yeah. in a bed. <laughs> I've heard of people doing that. I mean, it's amazing. But yeah, they, actually, yeah. the car's quite good too. Just sitting in the car, I've done a few in the car. Yeah, it is. I've been away somewhere. Um, I had to amazing. do. I had to do. Um, when I was on More FM in the Coromandel one morning, I actually had to tie line and do the local news from my car in my driveway one morning. <laughs> and it, it, I'm, you're right; it sounds great in the car. Yeah, um, hey, you're running late for work. <laughs> I didn't need to. I actually didn't need to start till later that morning, but I normally did the news in the morning, and apparently it all corrupted. So I had to jump in and do one live oh, and then shoot to the station and go and redo it all. It's amazing um, what goes on. 
what oh, I'm saying. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> so a lot of people have no clue, do they? It's great. Right, hey, look, um, so Hamish, talking about, you know, with your, your voiceover for TV, et cetera, et cetera, a typical day in your life, I mean, do you voice for TV NZ1 and 2 from where you're sitting now, or do you actually have to go to Auckland and do all that? Yeah, so it's coming up uh, in June this year, it would have been 10 years, um, which is a bloody long time. When I first got it, couldn't believe it. It was actually, a, it's quite weird, but when I was 15, um, I said when I was 15 uh, that I wanted to be the voice of TV2, um, which is pretty random at 15 and very, very niche. And then how many years later, 30, whatever, 40 years later, um, you know, I just I got the opportunity to, to audition for it. Um, but yeah, so for the first um, four, maybe five years, I would drive to Auckland mm. every Tuesday and Thursday, go yep. up there yep. and voice for maybe half an hour to an hour, hop in the car and drive back. Mm. I did that twice a week for five years. People in the building just thought, you've driven from Tauranga to be here to do this. <laughs> yeah, because I want to do this. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I absolutely. I barely broke even money-wise, but I didn't care about that. I was doing my dream job from yep. when I was a teenager. And then and it improved over time Then because it was just TV2 for a start. Then they changed the channels to TVNZ1 and 2. And then so they spread the voices over two channels, which meant we got more money. Um, and then I went down, uh, ended up meeting uh, my partner in Auckland. So I had somewhere to stay for the following five years. <laughs> um, so I'd shoot up there and only drive it once, stay uh, they move into Thursday, Friday, sorry. So I'd go up Wednesday night, go in Thursday morning, um, stay Thursday, go in Friday morning. So I do every Thursday, Friday morning, and I've done that for for the past five years. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, but it's so been which, it's been uh, awesome. Absolutely loved it. Which um which ads do you do, or which bits do you do? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm new to this. I don't know which voices you do. So. Yeah, it's quite hard to pick. I mean, I I think I put on. I mean, I definitely project more and put on more than my speaking voice because a lot of people have have no idea. Um, that it's so me. Is it, like, is it like the intro bits that come in? Yeah, yeah. So it's the the you know like a trailer for a movie. It's it's the trailers for the TV shows. So oh, I do yeah. all the short and street stuff. Um, yep. But I, I do every you do absolutely. I introduce Seven Sharp every night. Um, yep. Brought to you by um, ASB Bank, keeping you one step ahead. That that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you yep. do intros. You do ads. Um, you do sponsorship. You do sometimes I do Juke as well. Um, mm. It's it's such a good. It's probably the best voicing job because it's so you get to do absolutely everything. Your drama, yeah, yeah. comedy, documentary, sad, emotional. Um, you get to do absolutely everything. So you know you, you'd hope you'd improve over time if you if you're doing that everywhere. <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> doing that when you're doing that work, do you write your own script stuff? Or no. So it's quite or, funny. Yeah. No, they've got a whole team of people upstairs in, in, in the department called Black Sand. So they have writers and producers. So they'll get a show, you're allocated these shows this week, they have to watch them, write us, cut it down, make a script, and then once they've they've cut it down and, and edited it and got the script, it then goes down to the sound engineers, amazing studios at TVNZ, so it's state of the art, and the producer comes in and they will direct you while you read the script. And you've got the screen, you can see the, um, the video playing, you've got three screens going at once. It actually took a little bit of getting used to, because radio, you're just used to reading a script, radio yeah, um, yeah. commercials but with you've got the script you've got the the session so you've got to watch where you put your voice in and also you've got the picture of what's happening so you've actually got three things you're looking at at one time but once you get used to it it's fine but it's a little bit of a like it's a bit crazy <laughs> for a start um, yeah, but every yeah, show yeah. you do 
a different producer comes down. So it's quite social. We end up sitting down there talking about all sorts of shit. I mean, just some <laughs> of the bullshit. It's quite it's good fun actually. It doesn't feel like work at all. You know, you're just yeah. still lounging around talking, and then oh shit, we better voice something. You know, so it's yeah. Well, it's, you just, you know, it's very privileged. You, you've got to hope some of those producers do their jobs properly, eh? If you're going to be harping on about rubbish, because the last thing you want is <laughs> coming up next on TV One. Those fucking Auckland drivers, God, they're pains <laughs> in the ass. Oh, sometimes we've been so bloody tempted uh, to, to actually just do real promos, like what we actually think. <laughs> uh, that would be. But I'd like to have just one day of uh, of that. That would be awesome. Yeah, you'd, uh, yeah. Your own channel. you'd probably lose all your sponsors. <laughs> you probably would, but it would make for a great party, uh, oh, piece, wouldn't it? Eh? It would be a great. <laughs> now I think they do actually. Um, they have done some promos like that for their Christmas party mm. that never aired. Um, yeah. So they've had a bit of a laugh with it. So oh, they're lucky to have kept those secret then. Yes, yes. <laughs> in, in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Mish, won't keep you too much longer, mate, but interested about the uh, the NZ School of Radio that you teach at. You've been there now for be 13 years? Yep, yep. So um, I was doing more FM breakfast in Tauranga prior to that, mm. and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And, and the um, person running at the time said, oh, why don't you come and be a tutor? So I actually originally was going to be a teacher before I got into radio. I went to um, Teachers College in Christchurch right, and, and left that to go into, into radio. Um, so I actually quite like teaching. And so I went and did that for six months and then she left and kind of, um, left me to it. So I became the manager. Um, and so then I ended up, uh, managing it for a few years and I ended up buying it, um, and had owned it for maybe several years. And then it just got too much for one person. Mm. So I ended up selling it and, but staying on as manager again. So I sort of went up and then back down again and, and full circle, but um, yeah, been there 13 years. I left it for six months when it went to a communications PR company, tried something different, didn't really like it. Um, they really needed someone to come back and run it again. So I said, okay, yeah, we'll come and do it again. Because I mean, it's it's one of those jobs where it's one of those few jobs where it's really rewarding. Like the, the kids, um, when you see the kids learn and then do really well, and they're so appreciative and they, and they keep in touch for years, like I'm still got guys that keep in touch from way back in my first semester, 13 years ago. Um, they're always getting in touch and telling you how well they're doing, and you see them in the industry, especially at the awards. It's quite cool when you're seeing them nominated for awards. Yeah, and it's like there's me- there wouldn't be many jobs that that you would have that um, you know that satisfaction from. So I mean, that's what probably brings me back. Yeah, time and. Time. and- the quality of the students that were coming out from your school, though, I mean, I, I witnessed firsthand. I managed to um, give a couple of them some part-time work on More FM in the Coromandel, and I had very, very good students. And, in fact, uh, Caleb Greaves was one of those. And yes, he's, now, he's yeah. now doing big things in Auckland, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he's producing, um, is it Jay and Dunk on The Rock now, I think? I think um, he's gone over there. Yeah, yeah, I heard he was. He was doing a bit of producing on the edge for a bit. He's such mm. a hard case. I caught up with him the other day. He's an absolute ripper, uh, but he's done really well. Yeah, he does. he's a quite a high-ranking uh, rugby ref, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah, very experienced. But he um, he stuck at it, and I love those I love those students that you know persevere and listen, actually listen when they're at the course, and it's not yeah. easy. Um, but there's been a lot that have that have done really well, and it just and even a couple this week have have scored. One actually, um, one of the students from last year. I'm going to be working with her at TVNZ. She just got a job at Black Sand, which is amazing. Oh, cool. 
So she'll probably be writing the scripts I'll be reading at some point. So, yeah. um, so, so that was probably, quite a cool moment. You'll probably see at the bottom of the script a little, hi, Hamish, smiley face. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> Although she's uh, she's not shy at coming backwards or coming forwards, so now that she'll, she'll work her way down in the studio, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, she'll do well. Um, we actually found out too that, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but you actually do have a bit of experience on the TV, you know, actually being on the TV uh, as a presenter, but you've also done some stuff in the movies as well overseas. Uh, is it true that you were a double for Harrison Ford? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's quite a fun. Yeah, I don't really tell many people about that. I'm sort of not really <laughs> sure where you got that from. But, <laughs> um, yeah, when I was in Toronto, I lived there for five years, ended up doing some crazy things. Um. Yeah, I doubled uh, on a, a Russian submarine movie. Uh, I was on there for six weeks. They, they recreated this full submarine in this warehouse. It's pretty cool with full-size torpedoes. And um, I doubled for Harrison Ford and Liam Neeson in that same movie. Um, <laughs> it was kind of weird because I, being double for Liam Neeson, like he had to kind of, oh, he was very fussy about who doubled for him. And, he, and I kind of, I had to. I met him, and and I had to do almost do like a little twirl in front of him to for him to okay me. I felt it was quite like I felt like this. This was, must be what a uh, female feels like when you know walking past a construction site or something. It was really <laughs> odd to be um, ogled by uh, by Liam Neeson, but I wore his full you know his um, officer's uniform and. I played his legs and uh, played it played his back, and my hand turned the uh, the keys. Uh, to to launch the sub the the torpedoes that was Harrison Ford's hand that I was playing and could he, uh, could he not be bothered doing it himself or something? No, no, because they're two bigger stars. Anything that doesn't show the, their face, they don't do. They stay in their caravan. So anything like side you know side to the back of the head, um, legs, arms, hands. So I was Play doing all that for both those guys. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, it's, it's very ironic then how Liam Neeson found someone with a particular set of skills that was able to <laughs> <laughs> particular set of skills. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, man. Honestly, I, we could we could have you here for hours talking about your life, mate. It <laughs> really is really interesting. Do you actually have a warm-up ritual before you do any voicing or is that sort of a myth for you? Because I talk to myself a lot in the car on my way home from work and if I know I've got a job coming up and I warm up that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, do, I do find um, there's a big difference if I do and I don't. Um, mm. So when I drove up, when I was in the car, a lot, you know, spending seven hours in the car to go to Auckland and back, um, I would, when I hit the Auckland motorway, I'd put Spotify on and I'd sing for that 40 minutes, whatever it takes me to get to TVNZ. Mm. So I just sing out loud and you have people, you know, looking at you funny and, and you're singing away and, you know, it didn't, didn't bother me. But um, now that um, it's just like a 10 minute, um, well, when I was in Auckland, it was just a 10-minute drive to Greyland. I'd sing in the car, I'd maybe get two or three songs in there. But now it's actually quite good being at home because I've been voicing from home for the last six months at least since COVID, yeah. kind yeah. of, you know, since lockdown. So um, I play guitar and, and sing a wee bit. So I jump on the guitar for a good half an hour before and just belt out of just half an hour of singing, and that makes a massive difference. So I find you get higher highs and lower lows. Um yeah, when you do warm your voice up, so rather than having this range, your range is like that. So yeah, yeah well, you, you and Oren will have a lot in common then, because Oren is a very skilled guitar player and a good singer. Does a lot of performing. Oh, I didn't say I was any good at it. I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you perform on your own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My poor neighbours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, look, just one thing before we go. Um, what If you could give someone a tip who wanted to break into voiceover, what would you personally give them? You know, where's, where's the place to start? Um, 
I would, and I did this myself, um, I would um, watch TV. Um, I would write down or record on your phone some some ads off TV and I would um, I would write them out, um, get as many different ads as possible, you know, like a shampoo ad to a car ad to countdown. And then I would um, voice those ads in different styles that, that would mm-hmm. suit those. And then if you've got any production, now um, add some instrumental music to go with it and then create your own demo because you can't go anywhere without showing people what you can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. About seven seconds of each example and about a minute and a half um, would be plenty for someone to get a you know a feel for what you're doing. There's quite a few websites that you can jump on and, and possibly get some work through. There's a few smaller places in New Zealand that you can approach to, you know, you, it's low pay, but it's a good start, way to get started. Yeah, um, yeah. But to get an agent is probably the best thing in Auckland. And it is, it can be quite hard to get an agent. Um, they don't often have many openings and you kind of got to um, just keep at it and keep practicing and, you know, just do that, like do that, do that thing a few times with the TV, like just the more practice you can do and the more ex- experimentation you can do with your voice, um, the better you're going to be. Mm. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I've got a similar thing, you know, put the demo together and even, you know, making contacts, like you said, and actually get some Mm. professional ears onto it and get their opinions as well. I always found Robert Scott was fantastic for me. Yeah, because I I met him when I broke into radio in the UK in the late 90s. He was kind of my inspiration. So he was always my professional ears on my demos. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy too. So yeah. good, eh? So good. Yeah. And that that helped a lot because he gave constructive feedback and you know, and you've got to try and be as natural as you can, not sound like you're reading a script, you know, and work on a strong range as well. So you mm. know, that's everything you've said pretty much. So yeah, it seems to be um much for much for much within the voiceover industry and how voiceovers tend to um get themselves out there. Hey, look, Hamish, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate that's it. Right. As I said, yeah. we could have done with two hours talking to you tonight. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was I haven't so even good. touched the surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and interesting uh, life, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. funny though when you go to parties and you tell people what you do, they're always like, "Do the voice." Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I just had that on Friday, and I, I said, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "I'm not drunk enough yet," and the lady came back to me, "Drunk enough yet? Not even close." So I just I didn't <laughs> end up doing it because I mean it is it is it, it is embarrassing to do it in front of people. Like I mean, oh, yeah. maybe some people yeah. are okay about it, but I find it quite embarrassing. Yeah, well, this um, is that because, because you're so when used you do it, you're locked away in your, in your closet. Doing oh, you can do anything in there. No one's looking at you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. But yeah. Hamish, you know, obviously uh, I was leaning towards you potentially doing something for us, but what would be quite oh. cool actually if I sent you a script, it would only be like literally a line. Could we just get you to corporately voice it for us and I'll produce it all up and it would just be related to the podcast. I thought that'd be quite cool. Yeah, yeah, no worries at all. I don't mind doing that. All right, brilliant. (laughs) Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen of Tradio Land, here is the produced version of Hamish giving us his corporate voice for TVNZ. A podcast full of stories. A couple of best mates just shooting the shit. With listeners from the USA to Uruguay, from Norway to New Zealand. One's in his garage, the other in his walk-in wardrobe. It's R&B and Andy G. And this is Tradio. Good on you, mate. Tradio.